0: Hello and welcome back to Casting Nets Podcast. I am your host, Will Harley. I am here uh, once again solo as uh, my cohort in crime. Uh, Pastor Don Winsberger is healing up from COVID and catching up on some of the work that he had to miss out on. And so we keep him in our prayers as as he does that. Uh, We will see him back again in January um, after the season's uh, holiday season has gone by, and so we look forward to that. So until then, you're stuck with me. So hopefully uh, that's not a problem or an issue for you. Uh, it is now December 11th. Um, we are we're kind of right in the getting to the middle of the month of December, and things are on their way. Um, maybe some churches have been having some midweek Lenten services. A um, lot of churches have been closed. Because of COVID, or they have been doing digital services. Uh, looking ahead to Christmas, many churches have have canceled their their Christmas for kids celebrations. Uh, many have canceled their Christmas children services and put them online or not doing them at all. Uh, many Sunday schools have just not been meeting together, uh, and it seems as if the church has just begun to crumble from the inside. But please take heart. That is not the truth. Our good Lord is still there. He is working uh, and always is working for the betterment of the church and for the preservation of his people. And so today we get to see a little bit about that preservation. Today, as we continue our look at the Unaltered Augsburg Confession, we're going to take a look at Articles 11 and 12. And 25, 11 and 25 really deal with confession, and Article 12 deals with repentance. And so, Unaltered Augsburg Confession, Article 11, 12, and 25. And our topic is dealing with confession and absolution. I'm excited to, to sort of walk through this with you. I'm excited to sort of get on uh, with the show. And so, without further ado, let's have a little bit of intro music for us, and uh, we'll get to it. Welcome back as we gather here and continue our study on the Unaltered Augsburg Confession. What a great uh, way for us to to hopefully end out the week, round out the week. If you're not listening to this until Sunday or Monday, then you maybe have a good way to start your week. Um, But this is a wonderful topic uh, today on confession and on absolution. Um, So without further ado, let's uh, jump right on into the text. And what I want to do is I want to read article 11, not because article 25 isn't great and and isn't meaningful, but I think it's just an expounding of what is being said in article um, 11 again. So here is uh, for us article 11 which is, is isn't really that long. It is um, a testament to confession and the need for confession and our stand in the Lutheran Church on confession and and what it truly means and what it's for. So here it is. It says, Our churches teach that private absolution should be retained in the churches, although listing all sins is not necessary for confession. For according to the psalm, it is impossible who can discern his errors. Uh, leading right into that, then we, we want to read 12, not because uh, we want to short shrift what 11 says, but I think, I think Article 11 and 12, they, they really blend together um, to, to fill out this idea of confession and absolution. And so uh, Article 12, dealing with repentance, says, Our church teaches that there is forgiveness of sins for those who have fallen after baptism whenever they are converted. The church ought to impart absolution to those who return to repentance. Now, strictly speaking, repentance consists of two parts. One part is contrition, that is, terror striking the conscience through the knowledge of sin. The other part is faith, which is born of the gospel or the absolution and believes that for Christ's sake sins are forgiven. It comforts the conscience and delivers it from terror. Then good works are bound to follow, which are the fruit of repentance. Our churches condemn the Anabaptists who deny that those who have been justified can lose the Holy Spirit. They also condemn those who argue that some may reach such a state of perfection in this life that they cannot sin. The Navatians also are condemned who would not absolve those who, who had fallen after baptism, though they return to repentance. Our churches also reject those who do not teach that forgiveness of sins comes through faith, but command us to merit grace through satisfaction of our own. They also reject those who teach that it is necessary to perform works of satisfaction commanded by the church law. In order to remit eternal punishment, or the punishment of purgatory. Those are the two statements, uh, Article 11 and Article 12. And they're, they're really beautiful, beautiful statements that help us understand this idea of confession and absolution. Now, uh, you have to understand maybe a little bit of background. Um, you see, this whole case of confession and absolution really was the starter of the Reformation, at least for Martin Luther. You see, he... Um, one of the duties that he had as 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 a priest, as as the pastor, um, and as a monk, was to hear the confession of um, the people at Wittenberg, and so he would he would uh, sit in the church in Wittenberg and he would hear their confession and then he would um, absolve them, and and share with them Jesus Christ. Now, what was happening during the time that that this pre-Reformation, coming into the Reformation, um, people were coming in to see Luther as the priest and were telling him that they didn't need to confess their sins. Um, They didn't need to receive absolution. They didn't need to receive that forgiveness of sins proclaimed over them from the Lord through the pastor because they had gone and purchased an indulgence, now, an indulgence is um, a document that, that was in the Catholic Church, still is in the Catholic Church, by the way, uh, a document that a person can buy that would forgive so many years off of purgatory, forgive so many sins that someone had committed. And usually it, it was something, especially during the time of Luther, that was used as a money-making scheme so that they could afford to do some of the rebuildings of of different uh, Catholic churches and and monuments and things of that nature, um, bring more capital into the Roman church. And so they would say that you can buy an indulgence for yourself, you could buy an indulgence for your loved one, um, you could even, they would sell you an indulgence that would, um, according to what they would say, uh, give um, um, less purgatory to somebody, a family member who had passed away. So there's a ton of things that are, are wrong here in this this whole framework of, of how they were approaching confession and absolution, especially with the sale of these indulgences, and people were bringing them into to Luther and saying, "See, I'm for, I'm I, I paid for my forgiveness," and it drove Luther nuts because you you can't pay for your forgiveness. Christ paid for your forgiveness. He's the one that that carried the bill. He's the one that that took care of it all for us. And so it became a um, a very difficult thing for for him to to remain silent on, and so he didn't. He you know shortly thereafter he would write the ninety five um, theses that he would post on on the church door so that they could be discussed. Um, it wouldn't be too long before he would be brought up on charges in Heidelberg, um, where he would give his defense as the Heidelberg Disputation, which really starts to solidify and and at least bring together uh, main doctrines of of uh, the scriptures as he explains, you know, this idea and the truth behind confession and absolution and the freedom we get in the gospel and the bound will that we have. Um, so all of these things kind of flow from this. This misuse of confession and absolution. And, and, and I think it's something that we even do today and have seen in the church today, and and not just limited to the Catholic Church, but but maybe limited or or expanded out throughout all of the churches because because we want to see results, right? That we are result-oriented people. We we just are. And it, and it's very difficult for us to not work on results. So we would say. It's very easy for us to say if you're sorry for your sin, then then you'd come you Sam, sorry, and then you do something that proves that you are sorry. We would call that acts of contrition, right? Um, that, that you do now you now do something that shows proves to us that you are uh, sorry for what you have done and, and therefore um, I can see that 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 really um, you can be forgiven. Because you've done these things and you truly were sorry. And if you're not truly sorry, then I can't offer you forgiveness. It's, it's sort of that list, litmus test, right? If you're not willing to do or, or not willing to perform uh, certain things, then I, I can say you're not sorry. You, you just aren't. And, and that that becomes an issue. It's, it's a problem because that's not how God refers to forgiveness. Forgiveness is a declaration. It is, it is something that is declared over us, not because we earn it, not because we deserve it. And, and that's exactly what um, our the Augsburg confession is, is detailing. We, we can't re- we can't even remember all of our sins to begin with. We have absolutely no idea all of the times in which we sin. We sin so much in a day, so many times in thought, word, action, in little things that we have no comprehension that we even did. I mean, I look at the disciples, and, and I'm going to be talking about this in my sermon this, this upcoming weekend, but, but we, we look at the disciples, and you think, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a little cutesy statement that Jesus says, um, you have little faith. How many times after seeing the power of Christ, seeing that he is God in flesh for them, and yet still so many times in, in that, that three-year span, they doubted. You know, I can think of the occasions where they where we were on the boat, right, and, and the storm came up, and they were starting to sink, and Jesus was asleep in the bow. And, and honestly, that's the Son of God. There, there should have been zero doubt in their mind that the boat was going to sink. Christ is there in the boat. For no other reason other than the fact that Jesus was there. And there were many other reasons why the boat wasn't going to sink. But for no other reason that Jesus was in that boat, that boat was not going to sink. And yet they're screaming their heads off. They're thinking, oh no, we're going to die. Oh no, we're going to sink. Oh no, this is going to be a problem. And they wake Jesus up and he calms the storm with a word, by the way, which is amazing, showing him his power over creation because he is the one who created it all. And then he looks at them and he says, you of little faith. That, that is an indictment on how prevalent our sinful nature is inside of us and how much it, it erodes even the strongest people of faith. It, it is impossible to get rid of on this side of heaven, that sinful nature that creeps up, creeps in, and just continues to eat away at us. And there so many times where, where we may not say it out loud— but there's a shred of us, a portion of our heart that thinks there is no God and that we are still doing it on our own. And, and we gravitate towards that. We do. We gravitate towards that idea of, I must do something. And so, in the confession of sins, it really becomes stark and clear that that's what we wrongfully are thinking. Because, and here's how my explanation goes, we think and know because of God's law that we did something wrong, but we know that God's law says you should be doing something right. You should be doing something that that's God's law. So the way our brain works is that one, I must confess everything I've done wrong and, and, and their confession stands against that because that's what the the Catholic Church was teaching at the time, that you have to confess every single sin, because if you don't confess every single sin, that sin isn't forgiven. No. Christ died for every single sin. Christ Christ went to the cross for all of them, not just the ones that you know of, not just the ones that you, you speak out loud to a priest or a pastor or your friend, it, it's every single sin of thought, word, and deed, whether you know it or not, Christ has died for it. Whether you understand it to be a sin because you're weaker in faith or, or you know it was a sin and you ignored not doing it and you indulged in it when you know you shouldn't have. It doesn't matter whether it was vocalized or not. Christ has forgiven all of them. And so the, the 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 Lutheran church stands against having to vocalize every one of those sins but that wasn't the point. The point that I was trying to say is is deep down inside of us we think that that not only do we have to vocalize every one of those sins but but and remember them but now we have to do something to show that we are sorry for them or that we have to to in some way make up for those things that we did. And that's not the case because we we can't do anything so it's kind of like a child right where where the law tells us we're a sinner and let's be honest most of the time we're sad because we got caught And, and so that's the law the law says okay you're a sinner and and it and it reduces us to nothing there's nothing that i can do i got caught it's over right it's done and, and what's the best thing a child can do? I'm sorry, right? I, I'm sorry. Does that fix it? No. Uh, did, did, I mean, let's say they dropped your favorite mug. It shattered all over the floor. You're, you, you could try to put all the pieces together. It's never going to be like it was. It just isn't. And so does them saying, I'm sorry, fix it? It, it really doesn't. And so it, it, them saying, I did this, I did this, I did this, doesn't doesn't fix the problem. And that's what they fail to realize. Because the reality is, the only thing that fixes the problem is is a declaration that that is no longer going to be held to their account, all of it. And that declaration is made in Jesus Christ, who has said, it is finished upon the cross of Calvary. And so in our confessions, we we would say you don't have to detail every single sin. But also in our confessions, and, and this has gone out of practice, unfortunately, in our churches, um... Private confession and absolution is an important thing. You see, private confession and absolution is a wonderful opportunity for somebody who is is haunted by a specific sin or has been troubled because of a, a certain mistake or is carrying around a shame and a guilt that they just can't seem to shake. Having private confession and absolution gives them an opportunity to vocalize those things and then an opportunity for, on this individual basis, for that particular sin that was vocalized, for the pastor to address that one specifically and offer the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Now, that is a beautiful thing. That, that is an amazing thing. And it's one of those, those things where, where you can't undersell it um, and you, you, can't, you, you can't ignore it. Now, is everyone going to need it? Probably someday in life, some time in life. I, I can't imagine somebody not needing that because I, I just can't imagine a time when, when somebody or that there's never a time when somebody doesn't feel ultimate remorse or, or shame or guilt over something that they've done. And maybe we don't do it in the same way where we come to our pastor. Maybe we take that specific sin to the person itself that we have wronged and, and we, we say it to them and, they, and we ask for their forgiveness and they offer their forgiveness back. That's the beauty of church. It's the beauty of the fellowship and the body of believers that comes that that any Christian can offer this forgiveness, the office of the keys. But sometimes sometimes we want to talk to the pastor um, because we're we're ashamed to go and talk to the person we've wronged, or we can't talk to the person we've wronged because they passed away, whatever the case may be, and, and we want to come to the pastor and 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 ask to be forgiven, and the pastor, in the stead of Christ, forgives you all of your sins, right? And and that's that's the absolution. And so there is two parts, right? there there is two parts to this repentance, two parts to this absolution. And it is recognizing that I am a sinner. It's recognizing that that I have done what is wrong in my lord's eyes. and And now it creates in me this this emptiness, this, this void, right, The sorrow that, that I can't do anything and I shouldn't be able to be in front of the Lord. And yet, and yet I am in front of him and I'm afraid. I'm, I have terror there because I know I should not be able to be here. And then the second part is, is understanding and knowing by the Holy Spirit who has created and worked faith in our hearts that our sins are forgiven because Christ has said so. And we believe it because he has never lied to us ever, ever. And he keeps every promise he has ever made, always. And so he says, you are forgiven, and so we are. And that, my dear listener, is, is amazing. Because that is what frees the conscience, frees us from shame and guilt and releases us from the shackles of, of what we have done wrong. I had a member in my previous congregation who said the best part of the worship service Not that he didn't like the rest of the worship service, not that he didn't like singing and and things, but he said the best part of the worship service was the very beginning where there was confession and absolution. I thought that was a tremendous thing for him to say because I wonder how many of us would say, you know what, my favorite part of the service was acknowledging that I am a sinner in need of forgiveness and hearing pronounced over me that I am forgiven believe it. Wow. That's kind of a neat thing. And so because we believe that forgiveness is found in Jesus Christ and him alone, we also, as we said, deny um, the Anabaptists who reject um, the idea. Well, see, Anabaptists reject the idea that you can lose the Holy Spirit. And, And we as Lutherans say, no, you can just because you've been brought to faith doesn't mean that, that you can't fall away because you live in sin and reject what the Holy Spirit brings, which is the forgiveness of Christ. And so we reject what the Anabaptists say, that, that you cannot fall from sin. And we say, yes, you can. That's why confession and absolution is so vitally important, that you are always reminded of your forgiveness, that you are a sinner, undeserving of what Christ is doing and what Christ has done. And yet, and yet here it is for you. And then and tied to that, we, we also would say that, that no, you are perfect in God's eyes. Yes, that is true, but you are not on a state of continuing to work towards perfection. That That's not a thing. You are a sinner and yet a saint in God's eyes. You are you are perfect because of Christ who clothes you and covers you, uh, as you were baptized into Him and raised to new life, and and forgiveness is declared over you. Yet you are still that dirty, rotten sinner. You are you are that that corpse of a person that keeps floating up in the water and never stays down. And it's a really morbid way of looking at it. But that's the, that's who we are. And so daily. You know, that's the life of the Christian, daily confession and absolution, a daily understanding that I need to be forgiven, that I am a sinner, and that my Savior has saved me. Um, daily, this is the breath of the, the the child of God, and it will have fruit. Um, it will bear fruits of repentance, good things that are seen in our life as as we live to be better than what we were. Not always succeeding, and probably not succeeding more often than not, but but having that wonderful proclamation changes our lives, that we are forgiven and that we are set free changes who we are into what God would like us to be. Better than than what we were before, ready for the promises and ready for the assurance of heaven for us. And so that's that's sort of confession and an absolution. Um we, we kind of let the practice fall out of our, our minds of private confession and absolution. It's retained within the church. Um, we try to say it as much as we can. Um, and, and maybe we need to reclaim this practice within our homes. And, and maybe that would be a better a better way of, of utilizing it now, since not many people like to come and visit their pastor and say, Pastor, I have sinned. Um, and and hear absolution. Um, And so maybe we need to do this in our homes when our children come to us and say, you know, I've done something wrong. And, and we get to proclaim to them, you are forgiven in Christ Jesus. Um, or when our spouses come to us and, and there's something that they have done wrong or they hurt someone's feelings, our feelings, whatever the case may be, uh, pronouncing you are forgiven in Christ Jesus. Um, so easy is it to continue to beat someone up with the law and, and see how much they didn't do, uh, how difficult it is to be Christ-like and proclaim forgiveness over somebody who needs to hear that wonderful message Shared with them. Well, as you consider that and and consider um, all that wonderful news of confession and absolution and and the good news of Jesus Christ who lived and died for you, I have uh, some good news. The good news is we'll continue on next week uh, with our next couple of articles, and the good news of those articles are we're going to be dealing with Article Twenty Four and Article Fifteen and Article Twenty One. So. So in order would be 15, 21, and 24, and, and that deals with um, the idea of the mass, the idea of the church and, and the ceremonies, the rites that we do, and then um, a specific comment on the worship of the saints, which is something that we don't do. In our churches. And so we'll discuss all of those things and, and have a good conversation, hopefully, or at least a, a one-sided conversation on that. I thank you so much for spending the time with me today and and giving us a listen and, and just keeping us in your prayers as we continue to try to bring you some wonderful information on the Christian faith, talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and uh, continue to ramble on with our our weird and wonderful thoughts. So until then, until next week, God's richest blessings as you continue to prepare for the Christmas season.